Welcome to SlayerFest 98. I'm Mystique Social Security number Ian Carlos Crawford, and joining me is my co-host Gambit's Cashmaster account. Adam Sass. Hi, Adam. Hi. We're starting off quite well with these with that one-two punch. Uh, we've got three wonderful uh, guests here. They are uh, returning folks. Uh, we're first up, we have got Emma Frost's Birkin. Yes, it's Aaron Reese. Hi. Hi, welcome Hi, back. Oh my god. Um, so, and, and following that, we have got Rogue's Mommy Dom White Streak. Maggie, listen, good to be here. Hi, Meg. Hi. Hi. Uh, uh, Meg, you were joining us new to the X-Men episodes, but you've been on This is. It's my first time. It's very exciting. Oh, it's a thrill. Okay. And then last but not least, we have <laughs> Dazzler's Soft Butch Leather Jacket. Hi, it's Alex Sabad Santos. Yay! <laughs> Hello. So, Adam, we're here to do our little. I guess it, you're right. It's more of a prologue, right, to all our X Men episodes. Um, or, an epilogue to the episodes, epilogue. but a prologue to the expanded post COVID MCU. Yes. So. Which is- Full of Adam, marks. Adam had this idea and he was like, we should do this for, I mean, uh, the X-Men episodes were mostly Adam's idea anyway, but you also had this idea for an episode. Do you want to tell everyone what it was? Yeah. I mean, this is really, this is our, uh, this is our X-Men specific wish list for um, the future Marvel movies. We don't really know too much um, what the future has in store for the X-Men. It's just that they are probably going to be woven in very cheekily into um the coming films uh and uh, i think this is just a good place for us to talk about um mutants that we are really really excited to see um done for the first time or done in a probably more fleshed out way um things we want to see maybe corrected um uh, maybe maybe like a dream cast uh because you know casting on the x-men so far has been like strong mixed with not strong um it's been a a bouquet um so yeah this is what we're here to do we're here to just basically this is going to be if you love fan casting if you love uh dreaming and pontificating this will be both informed and also uh probably wildly not going to happen uh, on a lot of (laughs) informed and also wildly not informed (laughs) yeah yeah for sure um, so I figure we'll start off with um, like our dream teams for the first movie. Um, and I guess I'll go first. My my so I have like a core dream team and then I have a maybe and then I have a characters I want to have a presence but don't need to be the team in that movie because mm-hmm. um, I do feel like I want it to be I I think the X-Men movies, and I, I do have faith in the MCU of doing this, of like doing a job of building that X-Men world um, because it is separate from like the rest of the superheroes. I mean, it's still, they're like interwoven and like Wolverine's been an Avenger and, you know, Storm's been on Fantastic Four, but like I, I that specific, like those comics are so expansive that I want the movies to feel the way the Avengers universe does where it's like, ooh, these characters can come in and out and we know who they are and that's okay if like, they're only a little bit in this movie, but then have a bigger role in this movie. Well, that's um, really my first question is like, do you, do we all think that um, we're going to start bang with an X-Men movie or is it going to be like, like, like how, uh, you know, like, like the Avengers. Spider-Man was brought into civil war where it's like, we really like, they are firmly established in separate films. And then we Avengers it in a collected. Movie. Yeah. 
I I feel like particularly for this question, um, I think one of the things we have to take into consideration, first off, is that the X-Men are not the Avengers. Um in the sense that a lot of the Avengers were able to hold their own, you know, self-contained universes um, mm-hmm. separately before being, being brought together. Um, whereas the X-Men, historically speaking, have always worked exceptionally well um, when they're paired with at least two or three sort of um, oddities within the group, um, including Wolverine, which I feel like I know that's taboo to say, but... <laughs> exactly, Kitty! <laughs> <laughs> She's just really mad about the last Wolverine movie, you guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that the X-Men aren't the Avengers because the Avengers are cops. <laughs> um, you know what? I was trying not to bring my Black Rage swinging out the gate. However, um, I mean, I do think, um, and Ian and Adam, I feel like I touched on this um, on the last episode I was on, um, the Avengers cinematic universe is also incredibly white and incredibly cis yes. and incredibly straight. Um, and so I think the format here is going to have to shift a bit um, because the X-Men are like zany from the start. Um, they're obviously supposed to be othered um, in various different ways. And I think because of that otherness, um, the initial roster, I'm not... I don't know if I think it should be the actual first class roster. Yeah, I feel like I would riot if it's the first class again. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like yeah. I, as much as I love, like, like maybe Iceman or Beast or, or whatever, or an angel that's not, like, completely like, who? Somebody um, loves Angel? <laughs> well no I mean, as much as i would like like basically like like untread ground i would be like i was yeah. like there is an opportunity to put a character there where there has been twice none before okay um, wait so are we gonna so wait let's since you you pose this question let's before we get to our dream teams let's talk about i i agree with aaron though i don't think i don't want standalone movies first like i think no. the x-men work as an ensemble and that's why they always work right um, and for me, I don't, because I know a lot of people on Twitter have been like, oh no, like I want, like, I want to see these like characters get their movies, but I don't, I, I will be okay with, like, I would love a Storm solo movie, but I want it to be after we already know she's part of the X-Men. Right, exactly. Way, like, Jean can be her best friend and like Jean, like Jean could be a supporting, you know what I mean? Like for right. me, that's what I love about the X-Men is like all of their relationships. So if they have solo movies, I want it to be after we get them as a team because then other characters can come in and out without it being like, who the fuck is that? Why is this character there? You know? Right. Eternals is going to have to show us that like basically right out the gate. See like, how do you do this sort of like right away ensemble, a little more diverse. Oh, the Eternals. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean to bring down the room there for a minute. (laughs) The thing we are getting for sure. But Alex, what do you think about that? Having a team right away or solo movies? I am very much of the idea that the X-Men work because they're a second family. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like this chosen family that you're all a part of. And I don't think that works if it's a sol- if if it's just like a solo store movie or if it's a solo. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I feel like it's it's like it, aside from like the Avengers are kind of all heroes brought together because they're all heroes, right? I kind of feel like the X Men are brought together one because like they're a family, and they all kind of get each other because they're all mutants, 
and then they decide to be superheroes. And then, and it's like all the stuff that brings them together, that ties them together, that makes like their heroism, that brings it to a different level and a different like space than where the Avengers are going. It's not like out of duty. It's out of like, this is my family. We protect each other for other, for like other little members of our family. Like, even if they're the Morlocks, even if, even if they're bad, we, we do this because we're all we got. And so I don't know. I feel like that, you can't do that with, a solo movie so much yeah and to that like to you know to that point and then also to, to aaron's previous point like how like you know avengers are gods and then x-men are not like <laughs> i'd be interested to see like how like it's not so much like we have to call the x-men like it's more like they are trying to mind their own business and run a school and then like right this like shit keeps happening to them and they're responding yeah. to that or or looking out for each other in some way yeah, I, I think Alex, what you said is like really important to the story, and like whoever's writing it needs to know that like it, it is that they're a family first, and then also they happen to be superheroes because they're protecting like their family. The the Avengers are for I mean, <laughs> J. Tran said that in the last stand episode. He said the Avengers were cops, but like even <laughs> even if you're not looking at it that way, they're at they're at the most coworkers, right? They're not like yeah. a family. It's like they work together. Um, and the X-Men, they're not co-workers. They're, they're a second family. They're, they all live together. I mean, some of them don't, some of them do. They, some of them sometimes live there. Like, they all live in this big mansion. And I think that's, like, the most important part. So that's why, yeah, I... Meg, what do you think? I completely agree with the idea that the Avengers are essentially cops. Also, the, <laughs> the Avengers are put together out of some of the richest people on Earth, a uh, literal embodiment of the military-industrial complex, spies. Yes. Like, people who already have power. The X-Men are, by nature, powerless. They didn't go build themselves a super suit because they didn't think the soldiers were killing people hard enough. They had a, a, a change of nature, a shift in their DNA, make them different. I have always been powerfully drawn to the X-Men as, of course, a queer allegory, because that's where we're, well, we're all here, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Avengers yeah. are the straightest fucking people on Earth. Girl. <laughs> You're right. Like, even if they were, even if there were queer characters, it would still be a very straight story. Like, so there wouldn't be... That's yeah. the thing. And there are, as we all know, very few movies or stories where a queer person is alone because a queer person alone out of context doesn't have the same pathos. They don't have to define themselves against the people around mm -hmm. them. Like mm -hmm. even in the, uh, even in the Enigma machine, like uh, um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on his name, but the scientist who invented the Enigma machine, who was only recently pardoned by the British government for the terrible crime of being a gay man. Like he exists outside of relationship in relation to other people. And that is always the case with queer stories. It, it makes no sense to do single origin story mythos. You know, these things arise without knowing them first as a found family, as a team. Yeah, so it's totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, and I think that's been the problem. Like, Adam and I have been discussing these movies all summer, and that's been the problem. I don't think, people don't seem to get that um, with the movies. You know, I and I love Days of Future Past. I, I still love X2, but that family aspect is never really it's like kind of there with like Rogue, right? With Rogue and Wolverine, right. but like it's yeah. not really it, like everything starts shifting towards this. Like it's Wolverine and his cool friends yeah. <laughs> towards yeah. like 
half like X2 ish into that model. We can't even talk about Phoenix. The best thing about this is that being an ensemble, and I think other superhero teams often borrow pathos from the model that X Men was best at and established first. Like the whole concept of the Civil War is basically the government restriction on mutants and the expectation of registration Mm -hmm. comes to them hardest and to them first. Absolutely. Right, and then suddenly they're arguing about, but we were friends, and it's like exactly, mm-hmm. yeah, Tony. Yeah. I'm sure this hurts you really bad, Tony Stark. But <laughs> spare a thought for the blue kids in elementary school. <laughs> I mean, my favorite, my favorite, some of my favorite um, X Men comics are when it's Emma Frost completely dressing down like uh, it's either Captain Marvel, well back then Ms. Marvel, or Tony Stark being like, where were you guys when our whole entire school was getting bombed? Exactly. And now you want us to be part of Civil War? Excuse yeah, me, no. And now that we're like, useful to you, we're all on the same side. <laughs> and she's like, well, let me psychically attack you first, and then we'll say no. But, isn't, that, isn't that a legit panel in Civil War, Alex? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. Those are my favorite, like, Oh, so good. It's, it's that panel, and there's another panel where Storm and Black Panther are on their honeymoon oh, world tour. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they stop by the White House, and Tony does not let them enter because they, one, Storm is not registered. Um, but also, two, Tony's suit is analyzing Storm's like power output and is like, um, um, the limit does not exist. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Storm is a god. Yeah. One of the best things about X-Men is that everybody, I mean, I guess you could argue Captain Marvel, but every class five mutant is basically a god. It is not yeah. for classification. It is not for registration. It is not for Tony Stark to tell her not to exist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oof, yeah. And and I mean, the movies, the movies never got any of their power. I don't think anyone's powers, I mean... <laughs> Aaron, I keep laughing Girl. thinking of you on our Days of Future Past episode being like, Magneto is flexing all the time. He <laughs> literally had metal ninjutsu in, in Dark Phoenix. Like, I don't get it. They find so many ways for Mr. Paperclip to just expand his, <laughs> his office telekinesis set. And that's cute, but... <laughs> Like none of the other X-Men get to really do that, right? Like he's the yeah. only one. And then everyone else is like Storm can do some wind and Jean Grey can like well, read a mind. And then well, wind. I don't know. Like they honestly, like the limit existed with the budget. I mean, it was every time it was like, it was like, like they were like, oh good. This X-Men 2 now, we can afford a few tornadoes now. More than just like do you, bolt of lightning. Do you guys remember Hancock and the, yes. the fight, like the tornado fight that they have in there? Oh yes. my Yeah. I'm just That's like, what Storm's power should have looked like. Exactly. I have seen in almost every other superhero movie, like literally the tornado in Man of Steel is <laughs> eight times more threatening than anything Storm has like cranked out on the screen. And what's funny about that is Mr. Kenberg um like did an interview with Entertainment Weekly and he's like, there's this really cool storm power set that's going to happen at the end of Dark Phoenix. And like, she looks so godlike. And I was like, oh, oh, you you mean the electric shortage that's happening with her hand? Yes. Is this what we're talking about? Like, and most importantly, in a movie that's not about her, where she gets used as a glorified bouncer. 
as a bouncer was... and an ice cube. I mean, and an ice cube maker <laughs> at the beginning. Just unbelievable. I feel like they're least afraid of her when she has the least amount of narrative power. And anytime she gets close to the center of the story, she gets less powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like, absolutely yeah. not. <laughs> there definitely seems to be a crisis of imagination um, with a lot, not just Storm, but like with a lot of the mutants, there just seems to be a lot of like, I don't see a ton of those powers being used in like creative ways. I mean, on the X-Men 2, we were talking about like how um, Bobby Drake blowing, you know, ice into the, into the soda bottle, like was at least like a slightly out of the box idea for like how to use these powers in some way. Like it otherwise yeah, highly so normal. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I, yeah, I think it's like budget and lack of imagination. I, I also think because X-Men were like the first team superhero movies, they wanted to play it safe, but then they just never really stopped trying to play it safe. I don't know, because right. like they made all this money, so it's like, cool, you can go bigger. But then bigger was like Last Stand, where like none of it is like fun. It's just like stupid, mindless <laughs> action scenes. It's That's so the worst part fun. of it is it's gotten less fun. And it we know that they're capable of fun because when it's Deadpool, all of a sudden everybody's got great ideas and good jokes and yeah. interesting kills. Mm-hmm. But when it's X-Men, they're so focused on the misery and, and the worst parts of being an outcast instead of the good parts, which is what makes X-Men great. What I'm saying is there should be an all QTPOC writing room. That's what I'm saying. Amen. I agree. <laughs> but I feel like you that know, serialization like um, permeates like everything about that movie from everything from the costumes to the wigs. <laughs> um, oh, the wigs. The, the war crimes of those wigs. The war crimes of the the X-Men 2 wigs need to be brought um, on trial for their crimes. Please uh, open the Hague. <laughs> I also feel like... Collection. I also feel like there should be more of a villain than just Magneto and the Dark Phoenix. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm, I, this is my own... Per- this is just Magneto, Xavier, Wolverine, Mystique, Phoenix. <laughs> I, I don't need to see him again. Like, <laughs> Bring him yeah. in round two or whatever. But like, we gotta see some new people. I mean, it's I mean, so frustrating because Mystique is such a good villain in the books. Um, and I'm just like, she is the most shifty-eyed character you'd come across. And like, I want to see a good Mystique with Destiny. Like, yeah, that's what I, I would want. love to and, see that. Like, and yeah. maybe, if we like, could just get Mystique out of the context of who she happens to be banging for the next 10 minutes, I, I think right. she could she could really do some damage. Exactly. They made her into like a Jennifer Lawrence, like nice character. And like, like it's like, not like, no thing. Like joy was more like nefarious. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that movie. I get that they wanted to make her sympathetic, but they went too far. Like she is villain yeah. of the villainesses. There is no reason to make she her likable. Belt of skulls. Exactly. Also, also, like what they did to Emma Frost in First Class. Oh my oh god. god. <laughs> Alex, I, knew, I, I knew someone was going to trigger me with that shit. I, knew <laughs> Alex, is, yes, I am completely funny. sorry. I'm sorry, but <laughs> I'm upset too. It hurts me. You should be. Do you, like one of the best Emma Frost lines of all time is, um, I believe it's in the new X-Men and Jean Grey asks her, um, you know, why are you such a bitch? <laughs> and <she> says, <laughs> It's breeding, darling. Yeah. yeah. The dot breeding. And I'm just like, 
Emma Frost was created in a factory by gay men. I like don't <laughs> see <laughs> um, another way. I'm just like, give me a nice, sickening, burden carrying Charlie Theron Emma Frost. Like this is, yeah. I you know I mean we talked a lot about Buffy clearly because we started the Buffy podcast, but like I always think like it's weird that Cordelia Chase was a better version of Emma Frost than like the Emma Frost we know <laughs> right? in X Men. <laughs> because they weren't afraid to let her be a cunt on wheels, and that's what Emma right. Frost should be. <laughs> and like I I don't understand who was like oh this is a great Emma Frost. Like I just don't have her in the movie. Then if you're not gonna like give her good lines, if you're not gonna make her a badass and like snarky as hell like i why bother right like mm -hmm. but i guess that that's also the problem lane that movie was lane god adam and i were so <laughs> upset after watching first class because that movie like it gets worse like it really it should have been some kind of support group for people coming out of first class like there, <laughs> oh was, there was nowhere to go there there needs to be and also emma frost was like horribly assaulted in that movie too like yeah the Magneto interrogation scene is really uncomfortable to watch for me personally. Yeah. Um, and like, there's also, some she's organic diamond. Yeah. Organic exactly. diamond doesn't crack. Diamond with a, with a steel rod. Like, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> the math is a math thing. <laughs> and like, I mean, going back to Mystique though, and Alex, you were on for our first uh, Night of the Sentinels episode. I think the cartoon even did like I don't know that their mystique was like the best, but I think the cartoon one of the many things they did better were the villains, and Mystique was way better in the animated series than she was in the movies, right? Yeah, completely. But I think that was yeah, like Rebecca Romaine Stamos's Mystique was always like a sidekick, and then when they were just like, oh, let's make her, let's make Mystique a main character, she becomes like this anti-hero played by like the most popular actress at the time, probably still is Jennifer Lawrence. And it's just like, I don't know. It just basically Mystique turned into Katniss Everdeen in Dark Phoenix a little bit. Like she like was giving the speeches and being like, yeah, we got to do this and got it. I don't know. Like it was just kind of, it's all kind of eye rolling kind of, there's just a lot of wasted potential because I think like with Mystique, with Emma Frost, with all these villains, it's just like, what separates them from the X-Men is their point of view. And it's like their worldview about like where mutants belong. And right, it's, it's, it's a really specific ethical view. Like it's yeah. not, it's not, I'm with the evil faction. You're with the good faction. It's way more nuanced yeah. than that. And we just happen to be giant bitches. <laughs> <laughs> which is what makes it cool. Which yeah. what elevates it out of, you know, blog political discourse. You could get at any Starbucks. <laughs> like I mean, like when it when the X Men come into the MCU, they should like they need to have the most personality out of all the yeah. other like franchises. And right now, like if you put them up against, like they've got less personality than like the whitest like scissest uh, Avengers movie. Like you know, it's just like I mean, there's no nothing going on in a lot of these movies comparatively. I feel like what would be a fun challenge for like the previous Fox executives would be like, hey, describe each X-Men character from your movies in four words. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they did that once. I think they did that to um, they did that to people who had never seen any Star Wars movies and they showed them the original trilogy and then they showed them the prequels and then they were like, describe, you know, the the original trilogy characters and they were like, oh, Princess Leia, she's a rebel. She's she's like tough, she's tough as nails. She's going to tell it. She's going to give you the business. 
uh, Han Solo, like he's he's a rogue. He's he's got an attitude of this and that. And then they were like, okay, describe um, prequel characters. And they were like, Anakin, he hates she, sand. She's normal. Um, <laughs> I don't know. She's like normal. Like <laughs> she's yeah, a downtown I mean, kind of girl. <laughs> she's like, I don't know. She's got. <laughs> She's got hair. She wears shirts sometimes. Like if you couldn't describe like Amidala's outfits, it would just be like, okay, well she's um, she's kind of different each movie a little bit. She is, and she really she got written so poorly between like right. having your heart broken is the end of your maternal and reproductive health, which what, Girl. and then like she should have a driving political platform and meaning to her position like she's the one in the senate who realizes how bad things are going when they're going that way but we really don't know what her viewpoint is to inform that which they did they just... so much better um of addressing in um clone wars exactly i have heard that, I have heard that. i've never watched a cartoon but i've heard that a lot of clone friends. wars tries to do the job of exposition and, and clean up what they've gotten wrong but by then the audience is so bored and you've lost yeah. your trust and i could go on forever about the mistakes that were made with the prequels <laughs> it's it's funny i was just talking to my friend gabe earlier and we were talking about the prequels and he was like but as a young gay boy i did love her outfits and i was like no that is totally fair the outfits are cool the costumes were oscar worthy no question um so to this um i know we've been talking a lot about like what it like needs to be da, da, da. like we talk a little bit about like what we think um cop incorporated uh company will do do <laughs> <laughs> you mean like so like what is like like <laughs> i mean like it's because it, again like i mean like Famously, they keep being like, hey, look, we dropped another queer person into Star Wars. We dropped a queer person into the MCU. And it keeps being, like, legit nothing. So I'm, I'm curious what people think, honestly think, like, will be that first move. Hmm. Like, uh, I, I think... wishes to reality. Yeah. <laughs> so do you mean more story-wise? Or are we going to talk about the stories we think they should tell? Like, or... how queer do we think it's going to be? Oh, yeah. absolutely not. Right. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. That was the answer Adam was looking for. Yeah, no. I wouldn't just say the opposite, which yeah, is it's just not going to be queer at all. Well, it's, it's a metaphor. Kind of... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. It's a metaphor that comes out of a very closeted time. So it's really difficult to retrain the metaphor into a non-closeted time and make someone openly gay on top of the extremely belabored, belabored metaphor. So outside of having like some incidental, she's got a girlfriend now, Negus on a teenage warhead moment. Uh, I, I don't see, I don't see that as a real possibility. I just don't. Do we see it having a, like, could it be, because again, we know that, you know, we know that there are, there is like queer rep and then there is queer sensibility feeling. Right. And, and so there's often going to be way sensibility. more that. Yeah. 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 I, I think, I think Captain Marvel when we did our episode on it, Phil Jimenez said that he thought it felt like a queer movie with like sensibility wise. Um, and, and I've definitely seen people like really hate on it for being more of like a military movie. I, I fall somewhere in between, but I think the movie would feel queer. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I go back and forth of this because well, we'll get into this when we talk about the teams that we want to have. But I do think if they had Iceman, they would probably have him come out. That would be like a point, some point in the movie. But I don't know that it would be anything other than like, oh, you're gay. And him being like, oh, I am gay. Right. And it's like, yeah. 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 
I think for me, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead, Alex. Oh, no, I just think that whole, there was like that Scott Evans thing of being about like, oh, a gay actor should play Iceman, right? And I think like for Iceman and whatnot, uh, like I don't, for me, I don't really need to see him kissing his boyfriend if you get the whole entire mission of the X-Men and what the X-Men stand for correct. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, like, that would be the better part. Well, like in general, have... MCU doesn't super do romance storylines well yeah. or at all. Unless it is so. a, a tragic love triangle between the three worst people <laughs> you've ever met in your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, I, I don't think that they, and I think you're right. Like as long as, as he's gay, I don't need him kissing his boyfriend or whatever, especially because for me, the X-Men like that could happen in the next like for the me the x-men it's like i want to i want their relationships so as long as he is gay i think there could even be a moment that's a lot like that moment in the comics with young gene and young bobby where she's mm-hmm. like he's like maybe says something sexist and she's like why are you doing that you're gay i know you're gay <laughs> like i read your mind i am i know the ethics of that aren't great but i'm totally cool with that being the scene where he comes out or like he is outed in front of her and then he's more comfortable I don't know. I think that could be a good scene in a movie. I know folks don't love that scene so much. I love so I don't that know what you scene. Guys think. But I also, I have a really elastic moral point of view when it comes to how we apply ethics to people who have a totally different set of senses than we do. <laughs> yeah. Meg, that is my defense of Buffy season seven all the time. I'm oh like, yeah, my bro. God. You and me. You and me forever. <laughs> the rules do not apply. Right, we can't apply those rules. We can't apply like real world rules to people who have all these like crazy super. I just it doesn't. No, they're another work species. Well. Our morality is not their morality. It can't be. Yeah, thank you for validating me, man. Oh God, I'm so here for it. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. Uh, I, I think I interrupted you, Alex. Maybe. <laughs> Sorry. Oh no, I think I was just. I think the whole idea of like the X Men, like for me, is like. If, what are they like i want to know like what are they going to do with their powers are they, what are they going to do like with violence with what they with how they act in the world and i feel like that could just be easily like kind of like a clearing of like those ideas of just like yeah. what we've been taught versus yeah. like explicit which would be nice i mean who doesn't want to be like Iceman and colossus make out like shirtless but like (laughs) but like you know what i mean like it's like this worldview of like it doesn't have to be the way the avengers taught me how to do things and it's the way that like like cops taught me how to do things i would i would love to see Iceman and colossus make out topless after refusing to assist the u.s military in an imperialist and colonizing like that's it they say no we're not interested in enforcing that we're not your dogs and by the way we're gonna go make out that's the movie i want And by the way, I love that. I feel like the only queer thing I need is to see uh, Gambit and Rogue just being like total like Southern hillbilly (laughs) on the road. Like that would be enough for me. I would feel very queer validated. We're skipping ahead to the stories we want because that's the story I fucking want. (laughs) But I feel like what would make this interesting in its queerness is just intimacy and softness. Um, like I think about scenes like um, Yuriko helping Storm shave her hair or like in the recent Marauder issues like how Emma was just super grieving for you know Kate being dead Um, 
like those really soft, tender moments, I guess would be nice. Um, no, and that's also something that is, you know, very sterile in Copland. Um, I, I mean, the, the most tender moment we had between lovers were lovers that don't even technically exist <laughs> um, in <laughs> Copland, which is Bucky and Cap. But, you yes. know, yeah, exactly. Hey, and that is its own form of resistance. It is. Listen, I I will defend Peggy Carter to my death though. I love her. I'm glad oh, Peggy's great. I love I, I I like her and Cap together. I do. I do. Hands up. I do. I I think that she I love her and Cap so much that I think like Cap, the only people I would ever want Cap to be with are Bucky or Peggy. And the and only person I want. Can we please get an end? I would love to see them as a very happy thruple. I'm so over oh, monogamy yes. for the gods. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would be into that, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I and I do think the Marvel movies, they've while the Avengers are co-workers, you know, the Civil War punch does hit me. Even though I'm like, mm, are they like a family? We're trying to pretend they are. The emotional punches for me work because the actors are so good. Um, where I'm like, you know, I think of the end of Endgame with them all coming together. Like all that shit still has the emotional impact but i think it would just work better with the x-men yeah because of exactly what you said alex like they're they're the family family first and then superheroes second i mean you've very got far deep marvel. second yeah like you yeah. gotta give it to marvel for that because i my joke always is the biggest trick that marvel has like accomplished was made us give a damn about the avengers um yeah. Is truly, especially when you like go back and look at Civil War, the books, like a lot of the emotionally wrought comments um, or sort of moments came from characters that we don't have access to in these movies. Yep. So, like for instance, Sue Storm telling Sue Storm, Reed, yes, like um, I won't be home. You can lock up the Baxter Tower, like peace. Um, it was a lot of those like similar moments and like even thinking about like the Avengers versus X-Men, which is a blight. I rarely like yeah. a blight. A mess. <laughs> it is. That, no comic makes me more mad than that series. It, it makes me so mad. The fact that my homegirl had her marriage annulled. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah. I, that actually is the comic that made me stop keeping up with comics. <laughs> yeah, that that would be it. Because please tell me how how the immortal Iron Fist knows how to defeat the Phoenix. How sway? How? <laughs> or or it's like all the X Men have telepaths, but none of them are being used. Right, they, they just they just clock dummies. out all the time. Yeah, yeah. Or it's I... like or it's like Tony Stark has magic nanomites that go in and it's like, oh, now he's like telepath proof. And I'm like, well, what the fuck is that? That's like, bullshit. what is that writing? Yeah, it no, that's complete no sense. And they do something to constantly make the Avengers more godlike than what they should be. Like, when They're not. They're science experiments and rich people. Yeah. That's it. They're not. Even, even as a kid. I always viewed the Avengers as like the boring one. Like yeah. even like I liked Fantastic Four more because they're like a literal family. Like mm -hmm. yeah. I there I always thought of Avengers as like the like boring jocks. Mm -hmm. Um and I feel like it's the more like as I got older and just like I was reading all the comics, so it's like sure I will I want to keep up with everything in the Marvel universe. So I would read all of them. Yeah. And then eventually I like lowered that to just X-Men and then and now I'm trying to get back into 
But yeah, literally X Men vs. Avengers was a comic where I was like, this is bad. I don't need to keep buying these monthly issues. It was devastatingly yeah, no, bad. The only good thing that came of that comic was Namor's Phoenix Five costume. Yeah. Oh, yes, that is good. It is that a was pretty good show. <laughs> um, but so, uh, do we want to, which do we want to go next? Uh, the dream team or are the stories we want to tell? I think we started. I think we started on the stories we were going to tell. So I think this okay. might be a good, like, natural progression. So um, I think I might have said this in our uh, Night of the Sentinels episode, Alex. But mm-hmm. I think Night of the Sentinels, the plot of those first two yeah. animated series episodes, mm-hmm. would be a perfect intro movie to the X Men, because I just think it. It's like big for an intro, but in the realm of X Men, it's really not that big. But that's yeah. the kind of story. I think we need, I don't want Magneto. I don't want, you know, I don't want these big villains because I think we need to start with, look, like humans are the ones that are trying, are the villains here. Like humans yeah, are the, the ones that are trying to capture them. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? And I think that's a really important story to drive home with the X-Men. Um, that, you know, they almost got there kind of in the movies with X2. Um, but then it was more kills. like, Yeah. Um, so I, that's actually, I was gonna say God Love Man Kills is the only other comic story that I would want them to tell. Like, that's it. There's no other, because I just, I want it to be that like these awful, like, like you said, the government or like religious zealots are the only, like for me, acceptable villains for a first X-Men. Yeah. And then we can have the Sentinels because they create cool fights. You know, we can have these cool fights like in Night of the Sentinels when they're in the mall and they fight a Sentinel. That's Mm -hmm. cool. Um, I I don't need... I don't need Magneto. What especially. I would want to see, like, from this sort of thing, like, is really, I really want to feel them as a vulnerable population, not just, yeah. like, they don't know what to do with their power, they don't know, but, like, I want to see, like, them absolutely, like, how are they preyed upon? How is this, like, the, like, the feeling, like, like, a, like a, a very desperate kind of, kind of movie. Right. Yeah. We should feel the oppression. We should see them being right. overpowered. We should see them being redlined out of neighborhoods. We should see them being uh, over-disciplined in school and pipelined into jail. Like, all of that. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I'm 100% getting you ready for my storyline, by the way. I I wonder if I have a hunch of what yours is, but... <laughs> well, we so are I... recording, so you could go right in. Uh, i I don't know that i'm gonna steal anybody's thunder on this because it's mostly an original pitch it's not taken for it's not taken directly from any of the comics but i would like to write a story where mystique is living in a trailer park with her kids rogan nightcrawler Ah, yeah i love it mystique works as a pole dancer but she's actually like eight dancers and they don't know that (laughs) (laughs) mystique is tatiana mislani in the new x-men movie and like some of her some of her acts are like really close to a celebrity she knows will draw a lot of attention but not quite that person so she's just she's like one of those porn lookalikes okay yeah anyway she doesn't she does okay, but she absolutely cannot support her two kids because things are so tough for mutants and they barely make it. Um, Nightcrawler Kurt has a scholarship to the local Catholic school because he excels in several subjects and it makes him like super Catholic for some reason. <laughs> um, Rogue is growing up a rough and tumble bruiser and does not understand why she gets in so much trouble. And then Mystique disappears. 
there is simultaneously an effort by the U.S. government to move the mutants even further out of the places where they're allowed to live. I'm thinking something akin to uh, the constant resettling and removal of Native Americans across the United States. And Nelson, oh, I can't dreamcast this yet, but my dreamcast version of Gambit shows up as an old friend of their mothers to move the kids. And it's a whole Mr. Mom road trip thing from there. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. I love it. It's mostly about poverty, you guys. <laughs> I see that poverty. Still, yeah. And Rogue and Nightcrawler are still really young, so they have to learn to use their powers and Gambit has to encourage them and whatnot. So that's the pitch. Nice. Yeah, let's definitely see like what like <laughs> powers plus poverty does because I mean every you know it's we get there we got the like a tiny bit of like I mean w- with Peter Parker and some of these things like oh he lives in Queens it's sort of like a little more homemade but um to actually right. have like the thing that I hate I hate about those storylines I even hated about early X Men comics but I specifically hated about Peter Parker's relationship with Tony Stark is. The kids who grow up in poverty who have powers or accrue powers are immediately rescued from that poverty. We yep. never see the struggle between those two things. So like as much as I grew up very poor and as much as I wanted to be kidnapped to a house full of weirdos that was actually a mansion and I didn't have to worry about not eating ever again, it didn't match up to my experience of being brilliant and poor at the same time. So like the the few writers who have kept Peter Parker in poverty have been more interesting to me than the ones who find a way to get him out of it because they don't mm-hmm. want to write that grind. That grind is super real. We should yeah. examine it. All yeah, right. Absolutely. Um, to add real quick to, so I, I said that, if we had God loves, I realize this is kind of intertwined with my dream team, but if we did Night of the Sentinels, and I don't love cutting her because you all know I love Jubilee, but I think Iceman would be a really good character to replace Jubilee as this like closeted gay teen. A little soft boy. Little yeah, soft boy and in he's trouble. like on the run. And I think that, that he would be a really good replacement for Jubilee in that role. And then I said in God, if we did God loves man kills that Nightcrawler I would still want him to be introduced as the newcomer. Like, I think he would be a really good, like, he's on the run, he's being persecuted by these religious zealots, and the X-Men are, like, the team that saves him. And I think, yeah, that's that was my addition to that. But, uh... I think that'd be Aaron? such a great intro. Yeah. Aaron, what's your story ideas? So, in typical Leo drama fashion, I like... <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like a lot of my personal favorite stories are... Um, very epic um, or they're either very epic or it's when the X-Men are you know their backs are completely against the wall and so for me and I think it would take you know some time to work up to you know stories like this but um, for me personally Messiah Complex and Second Coming um, would be a story I would be super super interested in Um um, especially Second Coming. And Second Coming, we had a lot of significant deaths, including Nightcrawlers. Um, but I think um, just seeing them consistently on the run um, with barely sort of any time to breathe, and it's just sort of like one atrocity after the next. Um, there's a, a beautiful, um, like, three-page panel sequence where Sentinels have, like, destroyed the X-Mansion. Um, and they're sort of, like, dealing with that trauma as they're actually fighting, um, specifically in Second Coming. But 
Um, I feel like obviously a movie like that would take some time to to rev up to, uh, because the cast is also insanely robust for something like that. Um, and I mean, I would also love to see something like a, a House of M, especially because most of the cops get got in that one. So oh, <laughs> House of M a thousand times. I want that to be real right yeah. now. Um, I mean, especially because the the mutants are the majority in that, you know, dreamscape that she paints. Um, but I, I feel like my sentiments for like a beginner movie um, would definitely be something like a God Love Man Kills um, and actually done right. Um, and I feel like using sort of like religious sort of zealots um, is a great way to highlight the mutant uh, metaphor, to highlight the the feeling of otherness. Um, you know, just without Kitty dropping the end bomb in that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um she yeah, she says it to her dancing instructor. Um yeah. You know, she's like, hey, you you wouldn't like if anyone called you bloop. And Uh, yeah, because her dance instructor is black. Um, Yeah, no, that's, uh, I was using it as an example is is not a a decent excuse. Thank you for playing, ding. No, but she runs away, doesn't she? She's like, oh, I'm I'm so sad. And then she runs away right after dropping that or something. (laughs) And I'm like, well, you're running for a reason. (laughs) God. Okay. <laughs> um, Alex, what would be your what, what story would you want them to start off with? So I love the idea of like second coming and uh, Messiah complex only because I love I love the Marauders. <laughs> the Marauders are so cute and they have like dumb powers, like <laughs> like like scrambler, like cool. Like you get to like you basically are just like a short circuit waiting to happen. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Well, I think with me, it was like one of the things I that would segue into the MCU pretty easily would be Decimation, just because oh, yeah. you don't need Scarlet Witch to be like, well, no more mutants. You could, like, the mutants just disappeared. <laughs> and whatever with Thanos, and, you know, the whole, how everything just, like, completely, like, maybe take it with, like, the whole... I don't know. I feel like you could start there. Like the whole entire everyone gets decimated and including the mutants we didn't know about. And then you see death, you see that whole idea of like, I guess, infinity war from their eyes of like the next five years trying to build something. And then it's like, woof. Sorry. Remind me. No, remind me what happens. I, I, I can see the cover of that trade that I have on my shelf, but I can't <laughs> remember which story decimation is. Oh, so decimation is basically like when it's like the it's basically the conclusion to House of M when mm-hmm. uh, when Scarlet Witch has her mental break and she goes no more mutants and then like everyone goes away like uh, like it's the whole Scarlet entire Witch like, destroys the seed of of uh, yeah. wonder. Yeah, yeah. That's not the end of House of M. It's kind of like they're intertwined because, like, the House of M slash slash Decimation are just like Scarlet Witch's, like, uh, it's like her having her mental break, right? So everything goes like her reality warping powers kind of mm, warp okay. everything. But it ends with, like, I think House of M and whatever, it all kind of 
stops at the point where she's like, no more mutants. Uh, some of, like, Doctor Strange protects some of them while they're having, like, their powwow. But uh, it, hits the, uh-huh. it hits the X-Mansion pretty hard. And I kind of feel like that's such a good, like, the segue into Infinity Wars. Being like, look, there's this X-Mansion we didn't know about. Holy crap, it got decimated. What happened? <laughs> you know, that's, that's a... <laughs> I do it. I, I, after, after seeing Infinity War, I kept thinking like, huh, well, I guess after Endgame more, like it was like, mm, we did this, like we have this time jump or like things didn't happen because the X-Men can't, like, I mean, how long are they going to wait to put the X-Men out? Right. They need mm-hmm. to be like, for me, I want them to be late teens, early twenties. Like I want the team. Yeah. I don't want yeah. them to be like 13 and looking 25. Like I really hate that shit. <laughs> um, that is surprisingly upsetting. Yeah, I think isn't it Adam? Yeah. Wasn't it? Isn't it in that first X Men movie that Rogue is supposed to be like thirteen or fourteen, even though she's clearly supposed not supposed to be like mm-hmm. a sophomore in in high school? Yeah, I think she's supposed yeah. to be sixteen. Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it really did kick off X Men's just famously foggy. Like, how old is everybody? Like, are you? Yeah, no, it's it's really murky about that. Yeah, and so like I want them to be like definitively like sixteen plus. I don't want anyone younger than that because I know that they'll just look weird and older, and I don't like that. <laughs> well, I would love uh, for there to be like a very, very like much more rangy, like age rangy of things. Like yeah. have it be very clear rather than everyone be vaguely thirty seven. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think part of what's gonna fix that issue is truly establishing, which I know some writers don't like to do in the comics, but truly establishing um, the Xavier Institute as a school. (laughs) Um, And then sort of like tearing the characters um, from that way, whether it's like students, you know, who've grown on to become teachers um, or sort of students who are in training. I feel like you could do a lot to sort of um, like solidify an actual hierarchy and then kind of, the ages plugs in there, but I had a thought, um, and I feel like specifically for the transition of like an um, an MCU into X MCU universe, um, mm. one of the comics that I thought would be a great way of transitioning that is Marvels. Hmm. Okay. How Interesting. Um, I am not a comics person. What is what is what is that? So Marvels is. Um, and it was um, drawn by Alex Ross and I think Kurt Busiek. Um, but it's essentially about the story of all of the big key points in the Marvel Universe told from the eyes of a reporter. Um, and so it's, but it's very like so a civilian take on the events that happen. Um, so like, you know, him being outside the wedding chapel as um Invisible Woman and Mr. Fantastic are being married. Um, But some of my favorite, like, passages in the Marvel's book in particular um, are the mutant passages. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, there's a mutant that he takes into his home because a mob has sort of, like, chased her around. Um, And Alex Ross, I'm pretty sure you guys might have all seen this image. There's an image of Angel holding, like, a child drawn yeah. Alex Ross and he's flying above a crowd. Yeah. It comes from Marvels. Um so it's like it's one of my favorite books. I highly recommend it. Um but it's just kind of like almost like this brief snapshot history of all of the main components that like 
happened in sort of like your bronze and silver age of Marvel. Um, so I feel like that could be a really fun way to take it on because you're not still negating the universe because I feel like ultimately it's going to be really hard to just like kick, kickstart an X universe um, with, with, with how they've sort of branded the MCU. Um, yeah, you can't, you can't do away with the MCU. You're going to have to make your peace with it. Exactly. Um, I, think, and I think Marvel's is a really good choice because the reporter's point of view actually really clearly posits the difference between the celebrity way in which people relate to out and out superheroes versus how marginalized mutants are, how upset exactly. and disgusted people are by them. Like there's a scene, I'm trying to remember what's happening, but he's he's covering some story and then he finds out about an anti-mutant mob. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the mob is like attacking children. Like there's a little yeah. girl with a skull for a face and he's moved to this terrible pity. And it really, it shows you the two sides of the coin in this universe. There are like the celebrity weddings of the powerful and the, the well-loved. And then there's the, the difficult life of mutants who did not choose this, who are just very different. Exactly. It's a very slice of life view of the Marvel universe. Um, And yeah, I mean, I think you just hit it on the head perfectly. I'm like flipping through the comic right now. Um, yeah, I had to remind I had to look at it too, but uh, yeah. but, but like even in the like even in the color story that Alex Ross is using for yeah. like, you know, anytime the the main Avengers or the Fantastic Four pictured, it's like bright blue skies and you know there's not it's a- like uh it's like movie reels for nineteen thirties movie stars. Yes. Yeah. Everything is as very pure very slick here are our ideals yeah and then when you're looking at mutants it's like dickensian poverty like the corners of the frames are dingy the colors are muted like there's there's obvious misery clinging to every physical object right because even the mutant that you spoke of earlier he finds you know in an alleyway in a trash can right Um, yeah so um and there's also another great visual that i can't seem to find right now but um, it's like the original five are fighting in some sort of like dark um, corner. I believe it's at night, um, but the entire panel is illuminated by Scott's visor. Um, and it just gives this sort of, you know, um, cringy and very ominous like look to sort of like what the mutant plight is because again, right. they're dealing with another mob. Yeah. Right. And it also, I mean, in, in metaphor, it performs to show you that using the point of view of another mutant makes it a necessarily biased and, and cutting view. Yeah. It means you're, you're going to see it in the red tones and extreme sharp angles of Scott's vision. Like you're never going to see this straight on. And that's, I'm really bad at the visual language of comics, but that's moi. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. So let's move on to our dream teams. I'm going to quick give my list so adam don't kill me i am gonna have the original team of you know like a first class team not the movie team but i i think it should be i think i want professor x there i just as like the one that brings them together i don't need him to be a main character yeah you know i do want to drag him (laughs) i do want i think the first team for me should be gene gray cyclops beast iceman angel and Storm, and then I have like maybe Rogue and Nightcrawler. Ooh, They're my maybes. Big team. Uh, and then I also think I would want Havoc and Polaris to have a presence. I don't want them to be on the team, but I want 
that way we can incorporate Cyclops's brother later. That is not a surprise that he has a brother. There's not a yeah. weird age difference. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, Havoc and Polaris were part, you know, they were like, weren't they the first X-Men added post that first team, I think, right? Yeah. If I'm, I might be scared. Yeah. Um, so I think it would make sense that, that they have a presence. Maybe like, I want the, so I want there to be a team with one newcomer, but I want like, this to be the team that's like the established. I want it to be Storm, Jean, Psychological Beast, Iceman, and Angel. Maybe Havoc and Polaris are like students that left before this movie. Maybe they're like, or they're leaving, whatever. But I want them to have like a presence. I also want them to somehow establish Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver as mutants. Like, oh, they're like us. Like, I don't need them in the movie, but I want somehow some storytelling to establish that, yes, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are also mutants because I really want them to be mutants. They completely um, are. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, Meg, what would be your dream team? Oh, yeah. Uh, God, this is so hard. I really like uh, a lot of the overplayed characters, so I, I want to see people who we've seen a lot from, I know. But I would like to see Magneto in the context of his family instead of in the context of his tragic, unending bromance with Xavier. Mm. <laughs> uh, I, I, I want to see him forced to be a father. I want to see him dragged out of dead beatery and, and made to account for the, the people that he's created. And not in a political way, not in a I value you for your mutinous way, but to see them as people. And uh, yeah. I have a score to settle there, obviously. Um, <laughs> I'd really like to see a Gambit story that wasn't weak and stupid. So yeah, he's in the dream team. Uh, Rogue forever can never get enough Rogue. Definitely Mystique and Nightcrawler. And uh, I have a massive soft spot for Morph from the first right. couple episodes of the the animated series. Um, I, I feel like he was created just to be super damaged and to and to be fridged for wolverine frankly yeah. and i would love to resurrect him and uh, give him more of a shake all right all right uh aaron what would be your dream team so my dream team is you know also a bit cliche because storm <laughs> um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um but i think my especially for the jumping off point um, I think there's a lot to say about the giant size cast, um, specifically because we're already dealing sort of with, you know, otherness for this universe. Oh, I God, love so that they're this. all immigrants. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I think that's really, really important. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I still want that dream, um, dream team. I want Colossus from, you know, Russia. I want... Nightcrawler from Germany, Storm from Kenya, um, you know, um, fucking, crap, what's his name? Oh, yeah, duh, Sunfire, um, and possibly even Banshee. Like, I feel like, um, I feel like maybe the trick with the, you know, ultimate casting of X-Men is giving us, you know, several very strong names that we're familiar with. But then also kind of shoehorning in mutants that, you know, don't get a lot of recognition or love, but should still be there. So, like, for instance, like Warbird. Um, mm. I feel like Warbird would be a fantastic mutant to start off with. Um, I also think that... Um, who else? Uh, da, 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 da. I'm sorry. I wrote my notes all, like, squiggly dude, so... <laughs> I can't even read them now. <laughs> Um, Everybody is having so many great ideas. I'm just having, I'm just having extreme, yeah, extreme ideas I, for I, everyone's I, brains. 
I feel like, you know, like Banshee, I feel like a lot of people have a soft spot for him. Um, or Banshee's a great character. Would yeah. Love to see yeah. Um, and that, I feel like, is such a natural way to also introduce Moira McTaggart. Um, and I sort of would love something like that. And then us come back to sort of the original five or who would go on to be X Factor. Um, because starting off with the young sort of teenage trying love like love well it's not a triangle yet um <laughs> but um i feel like there is a lot of gene fatigue in both the comics and the movies i'm um, so sick of she used to be my absolute favorite and i cannot yeah. take it anymore yeah, i want to retire for the next 25 years because i feel like just <laughs> yeah. as soon as you bring in gene everybody's gonna there's gonna be some ticking clock waiting to count down exactly. to do Smith, like and it just like there's it's like i would love to see gene explored through Nosh. yeah and i feel like it would be nice to you know something that was always really pleasant about claremont's writing um you know with these teens and especially with gene was the the process of the phoenix was like over a hundred issues. It was really long. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you know, he played the long game really well. So I would love for us to get comfortable with Gene. Um, you know, like I feel like Gene is one of the few characters where we in every medium that the X-Men has touched, um, she kind of consistently sucks. And I love her. But, <laughs> but like even in, even in a They're cartoon, not- like Gene yeah. has fainting spells. <laughs> is um i just watched the episode where they like get transported to the Mojoverse, and jane literally uh-huh. like they're in um a, a department store with a bunch of tvs yeah <laughs> and like spiral comes out the tvs to chase them and jane just trips over an extension cord <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And she is nerfed beyond nerfed. Like yes. she's emotionally nerfed. She is physically nerfed. She's relationally nerfed. Like Yes. But then it's like we go from this incompetent gene to super OP gene that can, you know, destroy entire cosmos, which again right. I love, but there needs to be something else to her outside of the Phoenix <laughs> whatever. Um, and I feel like the only way that's gonna happen is if we just kind of just, you know, take it a little easy on Jane. That's all. <laughs> I I will say my notes, I literally said, no Dark Phoenix, no Magneto for my stories. That's like, <laughs> no. No, I, no, I, I, no. These are reasonable requests. And I love Dark Phoenix, but like they just, I, we need, I, what you said, Aaron, is like, it needs to build. It need, we need to have sat with Jean for a long enough time that also it's, makes sense for them to be like no we can't want to just want to kill her even though she's killing everyone right. around it us. makes like, the stakes that much more like unbearable exist for crying out loud i mean they yeah. make dark phoenix out of nothing and there was yeah. no reason she just looked like a danger to everyone it made yeah. no sense to just kill her and there was no sympathy in that movie for her at all um and so yeah and I, I want us to get in a good space with Jean or or even looking at like sort of exploring, you know, maybe even more complicated aspects of Jean like the Goblin Queen. Um yeah. like yeah. yeah. Thoughts. <laughs> Alex, what would be your uh stories? Oh, they're so stereotypically gay. Like it's like my dream team is like Storm, <laughs> Emma, Dazzler, Jubilee, Psylocke, 
and rogue (laughs) and they just like go shopping all the time and fight but like no but i really think that like one of my favorite things is uh and it was so cheesy when it came out but like they had there was this series called new x-men and it was basically like these new kids who came to the mansion oh yeah Yeah. and it was like and it was just like such a like 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 i don't know if the writing was that great but it was like such a like breath of fresh air that you were just like oh wow it's like they're seeing the mansion for the first time and then that could be kind of the intro to like well the other people like that's the intro to like the main team of like this is what they do this is my all-female team um but i feel like no like i feel like i really want a good emma story just because one she got completely screwed in (laughs) all the times we've seen her in the movies but like in in the astonishing run that Whedon writes in that first issue, he writes her so well when she's just like, "You can never trust humans. They will always do this to us. I don't know how many times I need to teach you to do this, mm-hmm. uh, and you can respect them and you can treat them with nonviolence, but they will always revert to this with us, and that's what you need to know." And I feel like that is such like a powerful way of like. Just like the way, like, it's just like, just because someone's mute, like a mutant doesn't mean like they're a hero or that they're good. It's like, they're putting up with you. Like, it's like, yeah. And I feel like, you know, just like contrasting that worldview with Professor X is such like, yeah, someone to bounce Professor X's credo off of. Yes. And I think that's another thing they lose with Magneto in the movies is that Magneto's a lot more interesting as like, someone who does kind of want to work with professor x but they're like they're just they have different views on like how they're going about mm-hmm. making things good for their community um and i i mean that's i actually i mean i i kind of rag on the newer comics i don't love crack krakoa or however you say it. Oh, um, why it's so good i don't i think the x-men <laughs> we are fighting after this Ian. <laughs> oh but I will say, I love the idea that Magneto has been, I love when he has to help them. And I love that he's now, they kind of are like, hmm, Magneto was kind of right. Like that's kind of been the yeah. turn here. And I do love that idea. I love the idea that like Magneto and Xavier still have this love for each other. Where after like a bajillion years of like fighting and having teams against each other that like you see that they still do care for each other and they are once they are like here where they're like, oh, this will work together if we do it together. And it works. I That's the kind of shit I like. And I like Emma Frost having her Hellions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that yeah. was like a really big deal when they were all murdered. And that was a big deal for her. Yeah. Um, and I think that's interesting to have Emma, who's like, she was always portrayed as, you know, especially before. I do think she was written her best in Generation X and in Whedon's Astonishing Run. Yeah, before much- that as much as i have trouble with the late whedon he really did know what he was doing with her yes yeah yeah. (laughs) um and like i think before that she was more just shown as this like hard villain who was like sexy um but then we got the hellion's death and that was like a really big deal for her character and i like the idea of this this character who is for she's at the time she was considered a villain and like her group of students were considered villains as well But like when they're murdered, we see her experiencing this trauma. We see that she genuinely cared for all of her students. It wasn't just like, ah, we're evil villains. Let's go attack whatever. It was like, no, she was trying to make these kids safe. 
while still kind of doing the same thing your Xavier was doing, right? And it's like totally just like survival, right? Like she yeah. she's teaching them what she knows. And if you like read her convoluted giant backstory, it's like <laughs> she never took the easy way out. Like it was always like she could have she could have like stolen and done a bunch of stuff with her telepathy, but it was always like there was always like she always kind of worked within kind of this boundary that she set for herself. Even though because it was, she has her own ethical code, and yeah. ultimately that's more powerful than anything else you could try to adhere to. There's also there's a specific kind of failure that you feel when you are doing the same thing as someone you admire or someone who you envy, and you fail at it while they're doing really well. So mm-hmm. she has to watch Xavier, you know, start this school and have a team of young people and and have them all survive and do fine, and she leads her troops straight into a massacre. Like that's drama. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, also, wait. Can we go back to why you don't like House of X? Because House of X, like, if you did House of X as like an intro to the Spider Verse, like type animated style, I would just completely just combust of how like of all the happiness. Like, <laughs> I, I, I just, I don't love the version of Professor Xavier we're getting. I don't love his weird. I, I know, I know people do. I just, I don't like his weird cult talk. I don't like his godlikeness. I like him better as this like weird old man that's like, I don't know. He just is too, there's too much of like, he's the center of this universe and he's like, speaks very ethereally and is like, oh, he reminds me of like Mr. Burns as an alien walking through the forest. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, I, bring I, you- can, I can understand um, the hesitancy with Xavier. I feel like part of, I mean, I feel like Ian probably and maybe now Adam too knows that like I am a sucker for a good villain at all points. Um, I am a Slytherin by nature, so take that for what you will. Um, hey, good to have another one here. Yes. Um, but one of the things that I've, I feel like a lot of people have struggled with with Xavier in a comic specifically was that Xavier has never been outright painted as a villain. They've always sort of towed the line um, and have kind of made excuses over time for his behavior. And I feel like sometimes in Claremont's run, he would, you know, definitely expose him. Um, you know, obviously our one of our favorite lines ever in comics, Professor X is a jerk. Um, <laughs> comes from that. But I feel like in this... Um, it's meant to, I think it's kind of meant to be uncomfortable, um, you know, especially in the first issue of House of X, um, you know, Xavier speaks to the world is that, you know, the world changed while you were sleeping. You woke up and you have new gods now. Um, and I'm kind of here for that only for the preservation of the mutant race. Like, I think especially... I mean, I feel like all of us, like, well, not feel, all of us here are othered in some sense. Um, House of X specifically represents just sort of a win for the mutant race. And it's been kind of fascinating to watch it unfold. Um, I, I see that. I do. Yeah. I do. Uh, I'm sorry like, I put you on the spot like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I do feel like that happens often when I... I will say I love the Moira issue. That Moira issue, that's like basically Dr. Manhattan, but with Moira, I love, I do love that single issue. It's great. Um, 
I do it has love... way more heart than Dr. Manhattan. I love that yeah. story. <laughs> I like when Moira just like, it's like, well, I will try being an assassin this time. <laughs> Let's see yeah. how it works out. But so, Adam, did you give your dream team yet? I don't think you did. Uh, no, I have not. Thank you for getting around to me. Or gosh, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> no, honestly, for me, like, it's difficult because um, I, I don't know if thing about the comics so the rest of it like everything you're all been saying i've been like googling while talking <laughs> i'm like sure it sounds good i will also feign horror at ian's dislikes hot takes um <laughs> <laughs> oh my god drag him um yeah so, <laughs> so yeah my i mean my exposure to x-men comes from the movies which i was a big fan of as well as um animated series but really like i got really weirdly into this pretty much exclusively from the mid 90s fleer trading cards like that's how yeah i know everybody like i'm just like i really like i don't know if it oh. wasn't on the card i didn't know about it and it didn't exist to me so, you know, like, that's a really cool route though yeah and i collected like pretty much all of them um the two versions i think it was like the 92 and the 94 um yeah. and so i know like the gist of the powers i know like the look i know kind of a little of the backstory maybe who's connected beyond that i'm just like sure you're the child of this sure you had an arc where you oh sure <laughs> you're actually a, a manipulator <laughs> and i shouldn't stand you um or whatever yeah like it's really all it's kind of been interesting kind of living in my own little world here um but i would say probably one of the things that i really want to see um is i'm ready for these x-men to abandon um plain plain john plain jane um kind of like way of like styling i really want to see like like you know um mr sinister but like full ass like the mr sinister look with like Ooh. diamond in the chest and like the, the, the cape with the, with the tendrils and everything like that. Yeah, I am also ready for straight cowards to start costuming these characters yeah. the way they're meant to be seen. Yeah, so, I would yeah. love to see stuff like that. I would love to see them go to the Mojoverse. I would love to see something really wild like that and then have the, you know, that way of that MCU does of just selling you on the on on the nutty thing. Yeah. Um, so I would love to see them like super sell that. I would love to see them like conversely um, like if we are going to go more realistic to go like really, really, really hardcore into personalities that are like different and maybe not so like good guy, like go into personalities that are like, like a gambit personality, like um, dig into the anti-hero leadership of, of Emma maybe. Um, and then like, even on, even on someone like Beast, like I, what I would, what I would love to see Beast be reintroduced as is kind of how he's kind of known a little bit in comics now, which is just like, I would like to see him be this. Um, and I think I would like to see him kind of like how John Lovett is. Like, I would just kind of like to see this like kind of glasses, big guy, but like a DSA guy, like, who, like who's just like a, like a weirdo who's like, um yeah i played high school uh football and i'm like you know da, 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 but like you know i kind of wear hawaiian shirts all the time and i'm kind of weird and i and i read upside down and it's <laughs> like i want that part of the personality i don't like just want like one shot where he's reading upside down like oh I my really stars and garters <laughs> i would love to see like a chaos gemini hank mccoy like i would really love to see him just like be like oh weird i'm like turning into a cat now that's interesting <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I would love I, a Chaos Gemini. That's so good. Yeah, um, I, would, I would really like to see, um, like, less of the... Because I feel like we've really established the, like, oh, my... I'm really in my feelings about my mutant powers. Like I would really love to see kind of like more kind of like how they were doing Quicksilver um, in days of future past and, and, and beyond. I like, but like deep in that, like for everybody, like this yeah. really weird, just like, yeah, it's weird. I do this thing. Um, you know, and maybe not all of them are like, have to abscond to the mansion. Like the, some of them just are like, are fine at home. Um, and like have these, I would want to see like little, worlds that each of them has created for themselves like how are they living um like you know like meg like your idea was a fabulous idea with the with the um with the way mystique kind of like acclimated her own little world to her little power like have like a very like smaller view but in that it feels so much more expansive because it feels very lived in i think the specifics of how people live with their powers are way more interesting than a fight after a fight after a fight after a fight right um right and then airing your idea how about like like really let like let's get the hierarchy of the school down but also like don't do what the x movies did and don't just be like well we're gonna do lip service to these young students just to be like oh they're they're cameos that like fans can like maybe pick out real quick i want to see like really sort of equal storytelling to yeah. the, the staff you know the you know the new staff the staff that has graduated the people who are like newbies the people who are in the school um you know the beyond that even like you know like just have like a re- see a system see like a real <laughs> school ecosystem at play mm-hmm well, that leads us into uh, casting for dream casting. Adam, give us some of your dream casting. Um, so um, I have forgotten more names of actors than I like, probably have. Yeah. So. Okay, okay. If, you, if you can play the what else they've been in game, we can probably. Oh, help no, I'm going to play that game. I mean, yes. here's the thing. It's funny because, like, so I'm I'm as a young adult author, we're often like told, like, hey, like, here's um, how are you going to fan cast this? I'm like, I don't know. Pick somebody who's 12 now and was funny okay, in the movie I, and then later on like that game. like i had such a good time fan casting my first couple books and then my ya came, is almost coming out I, have, I think i have the same debut day as you and people are like who should play the main character and i was like i don't know any 13 year old actresses names and i think that's for the best right <laughs> i mean like i could be like i could be like well you know you could keep endlessly using the same it kids they're really great um <laughs> they're in like, everything also, they're they like more now. they're like I very overworked it. yeah but um that, that's kind of like it so like i feel like you know like if we're getting into um fan casting i mean i'd really love to see some just like unusual choices i'd really love to see mm-hmm. like comedic actors get dropped i love what they're doing with mm-hmm. kristen wig and wonder woman yes. i'd love to see like a like, gag of a cast i could be like i I don't know why, like they, like I'm, I don't know why they cast her, but like they seem to like right out the gate be like, this, this was our first and only cheetah pick. I'm like, great, I'm sure you had an idea in your head. Like I feel like something that has that kind of point of view, um, I think is very important. Yes. Yeah, I. Yeah, uh, Meg, what are some of your dream casts for uh, the characters? I think all the time about the casting on Storm because I've read so many mm-hmm. uh, cultural critics who pointed out that she's never been played by a dark-skinned woman, that she's never been played by a woman who's from Africa, and, and 
how that positions her at four artists in in who in creation of additional comics and how this positions it for people watching especially for kids watching because colorism is such an issue in the casting yeah. of black women's part so when i think about it uh, i would like to see someone who is quite a bit fiercer and more of a fighter and less of a waif-like actress so i thought of uh Sidel noel who plays cherry bang on glow yes okay. I would love to see her in that role. I think she has the self-possessed intensity that a person like Storm should have, but also uh, a great deal of of gravity that's not really been tapped into by her TV work. And she would be so, so excellent. Uh, I've also, I've seen people talking about DeWanda Wise, who was almost mm-hmm. uh, Maria Rambo, who would have been a great Maria Rambo, who, by the way, is Captain Marvel's girlfriend. I do not want to have this fight again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but she's she's also quite a bit darker than the women who have played Storm, and I would love to see her get a bigger role. And she's young enough that she could really grow into it. I think she'd be fantastic. Uh, I'd really like to see a Black Gambit. Uh, I specifically want to see Nelson Ellis play Gambit. Uh, that's Aww. Lafayette. Ooh. Oh, Archie. I know. I'm- yeah, no, I realize it's a little late for that one, but I had it in my head for so long. Mm. And then uh, I love, love, love Rogue. And I keep thinking about, I feel like there's four redheaded actresses and they have their corners staked out. (laughs) (laughs) Bryce Dallas Howard taking everything that Amy Adams isn't pretty enough to be in. And then Amy Adams takes everything. I'm sorry. Am I wrong? And then Amy Adams takes everything that what's her name turns down the super serious Oscar winning one. Um, Jessica Chastain. Say again? Jessica Chastain. Yes, Jessica Chastain. And Jessica Chastain gets called for everything that people wanted Julianne Moore for, and then they realize how old she is. Oh my god. (laughs) I love her like every gay man with all her faves. It's a phone. And everybody just like skips their way down it. So eventually you end up at Sansa, what's her name? Uh, and of course she played Jean Grey and she can't play a rogue now but like I really want I really want also not a waif as rogue I really want a tough white trash looking redhead with a lot of freckles who looks like she's been in a fight and that's not an actress I know the name of I don't know who that person is but I'd love to see her at casting That's, I mean, that's totally fair. I, for some of them, I don't have. I'm like, mm, if they could make this person, but yeah. Um, I feel like we should um, get like, um, sister, I feel like we should get like, I feel like we should really be mining like a lot, like instead of like character, like, you know, actors or whatever, I feel like go to like, go to drag race seasons, go to like somebody oh who likes to get Jimbo like <laughs> in here. Like, I had, I had Canada. a momentary fever dream of Electra Abundance as Storm. Uh-huh. yeah like yeah jesus yeah well aaron so what would be some of your uh dream casting i brought a list <laughs> oh yes, oh, yes. Um, okay so one of my kind of like off kilter ones that i was actually really excited about was florence Pugh as kitty pride oh hmm. I like that. Yeah, I know it's not, you know, exactly like on the mark when you think Kitty, but I've been really, really enjoying Kitty and Marauders. And I feel like it's something that's hard for me to articulate about Florence Pugh. um, That, I don't know, I 
loved Midsummer and I loved her um, performance in it. And I feel like Kitty's a very complicated girl. Um, so that's one of them. Um, I thought John David Washington as Bishop. Okay. Right. What's he from? Um, he is Denzel Washington's son. So he's going to be in okay. Nolan's Tenet. Um, oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I already mentioned earlier Miss Shirley Theron for Emma Frost. <laughs> yeah, I completely stand behind that. Yes. I I just I see it. I see the furs, the Birkins. Just the atomic body. blonde, do it again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> atomic blonde, but with actual uh, like lines to say, and not just a bathtub full of ice and a, a much younger woman to fuck. Like, what if there was a story? Oh my yeah. god! Honestly, that like, like that lighting scheme, that bisexual lighting in that movie, like I didn't need dialogue. I didn't need I had faces. No, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I my like... people were very honored by that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like one of the things I always sort of notice, especially like, so we've gotten Emma Frost technically twice in this botched universe. Oh, um, right. um, but and even in the comics, Emma Frost always looks wildly cheap. Like, I would like to think that this woman has, you know, I don't know, like Alexander Wang on speed dial. <laughs> just being like, oh, let me call up Alex. So, you know, just like whip up a little something for the, you know, the cuckoos. Ha <laughs> ha. Like something like that. Um, yeah. I mean, what, something when we were watching like X-Men First Class, like Ian and I were texting and I think Ian, you were saying like, it was, it was, it was almost just like, you were like, like they're dressing like it's very clear straight guys dressing Emma Frost. Yes. Like, yeah. Every so, like, time. Yeah. Fit. Like, I'm like just, someone like, called me, please. <laughs> um I she's want going to the Met Gala me. every day. Exactly. Every day. Life. Opulent as hell. <laughs> um, she wants you to feel pain inside every time she walks past you. And that is something straight men are never gonna understand. Yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Um, and then I would love to see for Storm, um, Jody Turner Smith, to be honest. Oh um, yes. I do I, I know that name, but remind me. So Queen and Slim is probably what she's um okay. what she's yeah. recently known for. Um oh who did she marry recently? Um, she did get married. Uh, oh Jocelyn uh, Jackson, I'm I'm Googling. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um I just think part of when I hear about fan castings for Storm, I think something that's not taken into consideration outside of the whole colorism issue um, is that Storm's natural grace um, should also duo her ability to survive. Um, yeah. That is sort of the fascination about her character. Like, you know, um, to not negate the fact that she grew up as a street orphan and a pickpocket and a thief, but also right. like when she walks into a room, she commands attention. Um, and I think for someone to have been worshipped as a goddess, um, um, and if you're reading Black Panther comics, she's still technically being worshipped as one. She um, is, yeah. Yeah. So I think there needs to be that level of sort of just elegance and divinity um and i feel like like my dream 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 if it if the movies would not require any lines would just be naomi <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> she would she would have to 
word with Snotis. Just like a shady podcast. Just like Naomi Grace Jones, like type of energy. Um, there is some other universe where Grace Jones got to play Storm. I swear right? to God. Uh-huh. Yes. Right? Oh, like one could dream. <laughs> so alex what are some of your dream chests for uh i totally agree with uh storm like i feel like she needs an ego like she needs to be like if you have someone that's been told that they're a goddess for the better part of their lives like they need to carry themselves as one and it's just like i don't know it just needs she just needs to like just suck up all the air in the room when she walks in yes but it's also like if you're doing like a young storm, which is just like like the thief. I don't I, I don't know if I was saying that I was like I want Zendaya to be young storm, but she's already in the MCU and the MCU is already so big. I but, have to quickly cut in on that. Just <laughs> yeah, I mean the colorism with black women casting is just yeah. baffling to me. Oh yeah. Um Terrible. and one of the reasons why I am so sort of like claws and protective of Storm um mm-hmm. is because for listeners who don't know, I am a very chocolate boy. Um but I remember vividly as a kid growing up knowing about three characters of color that had my skin tone. It was um um what's his name from hey arnold uh yes (laughs) um gerald from recess and it was storm there were literally those three and out of the three characters storm was the one i related the most to um because the other boys played sports and ill (laughs) so i think it is like it is like we should be very, very careful, but also adamant about when we're talking about what we want to visualize as Storm. And I love Zendaya. I think she's she's a great actress. Um, but Absolutely. Zendaya, I love Zendaya. Yeah. yeah but she, but she, even Zendaya has talked about the privilege that she has as a fair-skinned Black woman. Um, yeah. And, you know, how she has to step back sometimes. And so I think to answer the question of a younger storm, it probably needs to be an unknown. Yeah, completely. You know, you know, someone has it who just has the grit um, and who seems formidable enough for the role. Um, But I, I want, especially because the X-Men has such a dynamic and would hopefully be an international cast. Like, I would hope that we are paying attention to things like skin tone and actual ethnic origin instead of, you know, um, casting someone who's Filipino as a Native American character or things like that. Like, I did that happen? Almost did. Oh, <laughs> um, it. I feel like it's done a lot in um, fantasy movies for some reason. I'm blanking on a specific, a specific. As a, as a Filipino who likes to see more Filipinos in Hollywood, I'm like, really? That's what yeah. we got? Yeah. And then, like, I've had to be like, I guess I'll hang out. I'll like worship Leia Salonga, who plays Jasmine and Mulan. But oh my god. Uh, Oh, <laughs> oop. Uh, oop. Yeah, that's a broad oop. assignment of oop. Yeah, but also like I don't know. Like I, I also feel like 
Lupita Nyong'o would be great as Storm, but it's also like she's in Black Panther, and it's just right. and it's yeah. just like and it's just like you're like, oh my gosh, everyone's in an MCU movie. <laughs> like I can't, it's like even the people like, <laughs> but um, but for Emma, the only other person other than Charlize would be for me would be Rosamund Pike, who oh my gosh, yes. okay, who, yeah, who in Gone Girl, I I still feel like robbed for gone girl like i i I keep thinking about her performance in gone girl and i need that iciness and i feel like that iciness that she displayed there and flex there is a very very good emma frost i too think she was robbed i think she was robbed for die another day Mm. (laughs) (laughs) i don't even remember her in that she's so good in that movie it's so bad (laughs) i mean i never think the bond girl who got her due so I I did actually in my when I was like going through Dreamcast I said that like I want I think the adults should be the older people like Xavier or if we have Emma like sure we can make them established actors but I feel like generally I do trust the MCU with who they cast um like you know Chris Hemsworth was mostly unknown he had been in like I think like a horror movie um yeah. prior to being cast as Thor yeah and like. I he's great as Thor. Um, you know, they they do a good mix of famous and non-famous and then making those non-famous people very famous. Um, so I would love for them to cast like early 20s, late teens actors that are new um, because I would have faith in like their acting ability. Um, I did say, you know what? Just bring Patrick Stewart back and do what they did with J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> Don't address the fact that he's already played this character in another movie. But like, I, I do think he's, one of the few perfect castings from those movies. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can't imagine someone else playing. Like, he is, but James he not work forever. I mean, do I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I did put my notes. Like, I don't know how well they'd be with casting him in a franchise that is going to go for a thousand years. Um, but I, he's someone that I'd be like, yeah, sure. Just bring him back. He could be Xavier. Um, but if I, and I said for Emma, if it couldn't be Charlize Theron, my other choice is very, of course, Ian picked to her is Charisma Carpenter. Just to <laughs> yeah. I think she would be good. Yes. I just think yeah. that would be. I mean, good. I mean it is that vibe. All time. Right? Like, all time. <laughs> Incredible. And, like, she would do, like, I, she, her acting style would match an X Men movie. Like, she'd be able to be, like, just be Cordelia with, with blonde hair and, like, you know, a, a fucking, uh, what the hell is that thing Emma wears? Not very much. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I think that would translate a hundred percent. She wouldn't need to like do much different acting. And like, I liked the idea of Emma being a little bit older than the other, stu- like than like Storm and Cyclops and Jean. Like I, I like the idea of Emma being like, quote unquote, one of the adults. Yeah, Emma's a cougar. Uh, Emma, Emma should yeah. be written and portrayed as a cougar. Yeah. Right. Like I think that fits. Um, so I would be okay with like her being one of the adults, but if we had to cast, I like did some research. I think Kenyon Linesdale would be good as Iceman. Oh yeah. Uh, it's like he has such a sweet, like happy face that I think that would be really yeah. good for Iceman as this like baby gay Aww. who's like your soft boy on the run from Sentinels kind of thing. Gotta help him. Yeah. Um, I said that Dylan Minette, the guy that's from Thirteen Reasons Why, I think he would be good as Cyclops. I, his acting is fine, and I think Cyclops he fits too. the like 
the jock kind of look, the yeah. like straight lace jock. Not bad. He has the look, yeah. Yeah. Um, Sophie Lillis from It and I Am Not Okay, I think would be really good as Jean. Oh, yeah. Okay, um, yeah. I don't have one on the trajectory. She could do Meg Storm, I mean, not Storm, uh, Rogue real well. She, yeah, she's she could. about right for that, definitely. She, uh, did any of you watch I Am Not Okay with this? Yes. Uh, it's I, real good. I, I'm so bummed that it was canceled because I think she i mean i think she's really good in it but like this she really got to shine and mm-hmm. i think she would be like i am not okay with this right adam it's like carrie mixed with dark phoenix almost it, but also queer. And it's the kind <laughs> of like oddball energy that x-men needs way more of like just way more of in, in the rest of the cast um uh the the, uh, the other guy the other kid from from it is in it um uh oh God, what's his name i don't even know the character's name i'm so bad uh, Finn Wolfhard, that kid no 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 um no it's the other uh, one. Oh god i can't remember his name either um, what the jewish one who's oh, what about stan yeah stan yeah stan's in it he's real good yeah um, he's really good in it. he's real good he's got such a great like goofball little energy like he could do like any any kind of like you know x-men you know that sort of thing and i also have like i was thinking of like kind of like out of the box Emma Frost uh casting things as well and I and it far, I, I would never like in a million years say like hey we should do this but I was like I was like I wonder what Leah Remini would do with this role <laughs> chaos casting chaos casting I would just think like I mean again like again different vibe but like she would absolutely nail that like I'm out of fucks to get. All right, we're going to go. <laughs> Rosie Perez in Birds of Prey. Like we've seen. There it we work. go. It was yeah. something where it's like you could see someone trying to like vaguely threaten her and be like, maybe you should stop causing trouble. And then she's just like, well, how about I escalate it? Yeah, how about I, I make much worse trouble for you? I also feel like Margot Robbie's Margot yeah. and Margot Robbie's who look like her. Oh yeah, <laughs> could, be, the- could be the Stepfords and yes. Emma Frost. That would be really good. <laughs> <laughs> so my other casting so i didn't like do everyone um one of my i have two chaos casting choices here have any of you watched teenage bounty hunters not yet a real thing you didn't just make that up right now let's <laughs> <laughs> be very good yeah, this is oh you should God. write these ideas on ambient yeah. it's, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's ah! the sh- the show, I don't know that I love. I just finished it. But the one of the actors in it, Angelica, I don't even know if I'm saying her name right. Angelica Betty Fellini. She plays more of like the tough bounty hunter teen girl who's like a little bit like they come from like a religious family. She dresses more like a girl that I would have thought was cool in high school. She like, you know, has a choker and a couple of necklaces and wears cute tank tops and is more like the tough one um, and listens to hardcore music. She, I think, would be good as Rogue because I could see her punching through a wall. Like the same way, like uh, Aaron, you were talking about Storm needs to like, she has needs to have a regal presence. Yeah. I think whoever plays Rogue needs to have like a, I can kick your ass presence. Absolutely. Like, we can get into a bar fight and I will win presence. Mm-hmm. Um, Just to sort of so sense she, that like anything could happen with this character. Like you're not like going to be like, oh, you're, you're not going to collapse this parking garage on top of my head. Like, and then like, she'll just do it just because you said just you could do, do it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and my other uh, chaos casting, which I don't know if you're all going to agree or hate me for, I think KJ Apo would be a good angel because he just needs to be like uh, the charming pretty boy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
foghorn. Yeah. I'm like, you have such a brutish face. <laughs> I I think that man is I think he is very attractive. I feel like he'd be a good beast. <laughs> Physically. Wow. Um oh wait, I feel like oh I left out two of my chaos ones, so you guys can probably get ready to stone me if you'd like. All right. But I was thinking about Mr. Alexander Skarsgård as Magneto. Hmm. That's not a chaos cast choice. That that would fit. That would vibe. Yeah, that's a vibe for sure. I'm saying that. And then I thought um, Karen and Shipka as the Cuckoos. Oh. I love her. And this is good. Yeah. Yeah. I I could see that. I could definitely see that. Yeah, she would be good as that. Cause I, you know what? I like. I I was actually looking at the Chilling of Sabrina, uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, like cast list. I was like, hmm, I do like these actors. I wonder who that like. I but I didn't ever place them on anything in my dream cast. But I, I, I think she is really good, and she could pull that off. She does the good like powers look. Like I'm concentrating and whatever. <laughs> yes. You know what? I would not choose the actress that plays Prudence to play Storm. I would, however think she would make a great Monet. Yes. Ooh, yeah, she would. Much she more than that. Make a fantastic Monet. Yeah, I support that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've got Just, another think... I've got another chaos casting. Phoebe Waller Bridge is Jean Grey. <laughs> I'm telling you I did not just make that up. I had this written down. Because I do think because I get I, I think she could sell that tripping over that cord moment Aaron was talking about. But and make it a character moment and make it very important and mean something. Like she just breaks the fourth wall when she's getting hit by a laser beam and's like, how the fuck is this happening again? Exactly. Wow. Right, yeah, like the Phoenix, you know, you know, you know. Jesus. Then I then I would green light a dark Phoenix storyline. <laughs> then, then you're then it could happen. It would be a real honor to have the filmmaker who basically invented feminism to be part of the X Men. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm never gonna not be salty about that. <laughs> Meg, I was like, ooh, boy, neat. <laughs> I just I love these kids who have an inflated sense of the importance of their own art, which didn't cost them anything, and they basically had to take no risks for. You just you gotta love them for standing behind it, you know. Fuck you and fuck your Yeah, <laughs> I have two chaos castings that I just came up with. I'm sorry. Can I oh, drop them? Do them. Yeah. Do it. Um, Kristen Stewart um, as Rogue. Yes. Oh. 100% okay. yes. She's so underrated. Or Janelle Monae as Rogue. Also, yes. Okay. Okay. I would like to see Janelle Monae uh like be in a superhero movie. I think she could like really kill that. I don't Sam, know how yeah, she isn't true. already in the MCU. Is she? No. She might be. I don't know. It's so big. No. <laughs> That's is... true. I'm like, mm, did she get a cameo somewhere? <laughs> there is so much science fiction to her work and there is so much Afrofuturism to the actress yeah. she plays. Like she is a natural fit for science fiction and fantasy. It's it's gonna happen. Yeah. Okay, I have yeah. one more. Okay. What about Timothy, shall I? Ah! Oh God! I I oh. know I knew I I had where Meg assassinates everyone. But as Nightcrawler, <sighs> you know, Ooh, that's I could see it. I, I feel like I it's going to be more on the like Errol Flynn dashing element of Nightcrawler, 
He's not dancing. He looks like an anemic Victorian indentured servant. I try to blame things like on gay men as a class, but I blame Timothy Chalamet on you. You this that is not us. That is not us. That is girls. <laughs> I had to. I was like, I just need to just let this one out. We have to find a way to sell that like kind of like nightcrawler curly hair, and I think you might have cracked that. So there we go. Yeah, I'm picturing his hair is doing really well. The hair is what "Mm." clicked right away. Oh, that's good because he definitely uses hair when he can't act. (laughs) (laughs) First you came for Amy Adams, and now you assassinated (laughs) Timothy Chalamet. Confirm, Meg hates gay men. (laughs) Oh my god! Oh my god! Wait, can we do like Rami Malek? Can we do Rami Malek as Mister Sinister? Okay, yes. The Rom- the one who played Freddie Mercury in ah, that Rami Malek. Okay, Rami Malek. Yeah, I I don't love him, but yes, I could see that. I could totally. I, I love him, good. but not as Mister Sinister. Who like I mean, is it like Rami Malek's like a, one of a, like a smaller gent? I say this as a smaller gent. <laughs> yeah, but they could they could make him look bigger. I feel like bulk him up. But then there are yeah. like non small. Okay, right, <laughs> right, true, true. All right, well, <laughs> thank you all for doing this. Thank you all for joining me and thank you all for listening to our summer of x-men um if you like slayer fest 98 you can find us on all social media platforms at slayer fest x 98 uh you can find us on apple Podcasts, spotify google play youtube and support us on patreon which helps keep the podcast going gives you access to our private facebook group and mini episodes if you want to follow me on social i am at ian x carlos on all platforms adam where can everyone find you and where can they order your book because it's out by the oh time my, this episode comes oh out. oh my gosh for real uh, okay so um yeah so uh, you can find me on twitter at the adam sass on instagram at it's adam sass and then my debut young adult thriller surrender your sons is now out or if this comes out for some reason before september 15th um it comes out september 15th if this is after that <laughs> it's out now go get your books wherever it's <laughs> uh meg where can everyone find you uh my website is megelison.com i am meg elison on twitter my ya debut is out by the time you're hearing this it's called find layla with skyscape definitely go pick that up and i'm megan elison on instagram because some mormon kid is camping my handle no really no wow Alex, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's a hellscape, but I'm there. But I'm also at Vox. So if you <laughs> want to read my things and not listen to my tweets and my himbo and my himbo behavior on Twitter, uh, find me at Vox. Love a himbo. <laughs> Alex, I will say uh, when I was doing the photo grid for today's image um to promo that we were recording together i was like mm, i can't find a non-shirtless photo of alex sorry instagram <laughs> is a himbo wasteland and that is where my himbo behavior comes out <laughs> i don't know why you didn't use the shirtless photo like i really put in a lot of work last like a year ago before the quarantine i i thought it might be weird i was like oh is that creepy if i use a shirtless photo so i just use the same photo i used last time okay. <laughs> i love that you used my saint selfie and then i came on your show to be mean to everyone <laughs> i love it love it's, it. it's the kind of uh, dramatic irony we love on like, show. <laughs> 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 unemployed 
<laughs> Dune is never coming out now. <laughs> so, Aaron, where did everyone find you? And tell us about your podcast. Oh, yeah. So you can find me um, at magical.poppy on Instagram and Twitters. Um, and then my podcast, Stand By Me, um, it's just a little nerdy nostalgia, um, you know, group chat with some of my faves, which Ian will be on soon. Uh, we're going to be talking about Cruel Intentions. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm so bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. And, yeah, you can find that on um, Spotify Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. So, yeah. Oh, all right. We'll see you all next time. Bye. 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 Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.